Hey, this is Mind Your Mindfulness. That's what this episode's about. My first quest for 2017 is around personal freedom, specifically mindfulness. Now, what the heck is mindfulness, you may ask? I asked myself the same question, and the answer I came up with was that it's all about being present and making conscious and enlightened choices. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm no Zen Buddhist. I'm in no way enlightened, and I'm still struggling to even remember to meditate each day using my Headspace app, let alone doing it. But I just really want to dive deep into this and learn so much more about it, as I feel it's the missing piece to achieving mindset freedom. And I do believe freedom is an attitude and a mindset. So I want to discover how to tap into that no matter what, my environment or set of circumstances. Because if I can do that, then I can help others to do the same. And my quest for freedom for you will have more meaning. Now, this is probably a great time to bring back the oracle I promised you from episode one. As a caveat, I've never consulted an oracle before, and the lovely Tracy from SuburbanPsychic.com actually approached me after being in my community for years, reading my blog and watching my videos, and she offered me a complimentary session. The thing is, she did this by way of a comment on my YouTube video, which I only found a few weeks ago when re-engaging with my channel. She had left that response one year ago. Luckily, she responded straight away, and we set up a time to make it happen. So what does an oracle session actually look like? Well, Tracy was super warm and friendly, and the right level of woo-woo to practicality. She essentially pulls from things that speak to her during our session, such as books, and takes meaning from those. What you're about to hear is around seven minutes in, after she'd pulled a book called Glad No Matter What, Transforming Loss and Change into Gift and Opportunity. She opened the book at page 95 because that's what called to her. And she says a great deepening can occur in the dark, like from the midst of falling to pieces, because the pieces reassemble, new pieces materialize, and old bits can be discarded or reshaped and I think that's the process you're going through you don't necessarily need to chuck out all the beliefs and habits you have that you feel aren't going to take you into the 2017 that you want you can you know discard some of them or you could reshape some of them and so that's the really big message here is because in those times you then kind of uh, she says you let the walls down the guards go home the makeup falls off and you're like your softest little self searching for something. So I guess that's what this year is all about for me. In some ways, the loss could be attributed to letting go of my business, the suitcase entrepreneur, as I go on my business sabbatical, to make way for more of Natalie to come out and to explore my inner world as much as my outer, which is what has led me to this first quest on personal freedom and the focus of today's episode on mindfulness. I first turned to a great blog post that came into my inbox just at the right time from Leo Babauta of Zen Habits, who's been, in his own words, sporadically practicing mindfulness for 10 years. But in 2016, he changed it up and really committed to it with amazing results. This has been on my mind, no pun intended, for two or more years now, but I feel 2017 is the year I'm going to cultivate mindfulness. And here are a few good reasons, no great reasons, according to Leo. 
You learn to be awake to the present moment more and lost in the daydream of your thoughts less. You begin to see your mental patterns that affect everything you do and thus begin to free yourself of those patterns. You learn to be frustrated less and let go more and smile more. You learn to be better at compassion, equanimity, love and contentment. And you learn to be better at not procrastinating and better at building better habits. He goes on to say, I could go on about better mental and physical health, better relationships, less fear, but the reasons I've given are strong enough. It's important stuff. He then goes on in his blog post that I've shared in the show notes that you can find at nataliesisson.com forward slash two. That's N-A-T-A-L-I-E-S-I-S-S-O-N.com forward slash two, the digit. I'll read out my fave ones. Commit to sitting daily for a month. Now, Leo suggests sitting every day for a month. Tell people about it, set reminders on your phone and calendar, put a note somewhere you won't miss it, maybe like the fridge, and keep the meditation short, just two to five minutes to start with, until you become more regular. This is the foundational practice for being more mindful, so make a big commitment to sitting. Find a group. If you can find a meditation group in your area to sit with once a week, that's ideal. And it doesn't matter what kind of group it is, whether it's Zen, Tibetan, Vipassana. Just meet with them and meditate however you like when you're on the cushion. And if you can't find a group in your area, find a group that meets online. This commitment to a group deepens the practice. And I'm certainly looking out for that here while I'm in Wellington. And there are actually plenty going on. Now I just need to commit. Um, Meetup.com is probably a great place too. Actually, before I go on to some of his other points that were my favorites, I want to pause here at meditation and go deeper into it. Are you with me? So research shows that meditation and other relaxation techniques can help reduce cardiovascular disease risk factors and have been shown to help with anxiety and depression. Plus, they help us to stay centered and calm, shift our mental perception, and change our reactions to varying situations, as well as allow us to connect with our inner wisdom. Uh, That all sounds pretty freaking awesome to me. In fact, Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mindvalley, has this to say about the benefits of meditation that might surprise you. As of 2015, some 1,500 studies have been done that show that meditation improves just about every dimension of your being, from your longevity to the way you feel and look to your creative potential, to how you function as a CEO, to your ability to make an impact in the world, to even how you connect with your spouse, your kids, how you do in bed, and how you age. All of us should be doing it, but yet we don't. And for good reason. It's tough. It's complex. It gets boring. And with so many varieties and types, how do you even know where to begin? Plus, it's challenging. I mean, staying focused, not falling asleep, clearing your mind, not getting bored out of your mind. Meditation can be tough. But still, remember, 1,500 studies. And when you get it, it changes you. It makes you a whole new you. I believe every man, woman, and child should be meditating every single day. And I agree. I just haven't figured out the art of how to do that yet so that it fits with me and my lifestyle. And that's probably because I've been focusing more on an older style type of meditation, not the modern day type. Vision explains further here. 
Monastic meditation is what originated in the East thousands of years ago. It's about clearing your mind, focusing on mantras or breath. It's a beautiful spiritual practice. But if you're trying this out in the modern world, it's not going to be easy. Nor may it be the best form of meditation for you. Monks many years ago could afford to disappear from society and meditate for hours. They had no family, no kids, no WhatsApp messages or Game of Thrones reruns. But in the modern world, we need a different type of meditation. Not one about clearing your mind or finding places of absolute silence, but a type that actually can help you elevate yourself, not just spiritually, but in your ability to function in the real world, to be better at your career, to improve your health, to improve your love and sex lives, to boost your creativity if you're in an artistic profession, to boost your ability to connect with others. This style exists. So, looks like I'm going on a quest to learn the second style and share with you how that goes. Ooh, this might be a really brilliant time to bring in the winner of the hero name. So, in episode one, I talked about what a quest is because this is the podcast name, Natalie Sisson's Quest for Freedom your freedom. And I asked people to give me names that they thought were appropriate that I could use in this season, season one, as my hero's name. And I don't really feel like a hero right now, but the point is I'm the person going on this quest for you and I'm going to be undertaking all the silly experiments and all the things that kind of make this special. So I figured, how about having a name? And there were so many awesome comments. So first off, thank you for listening in and coming across to that episode I haven't seen so many comments in ages. I have to say, this is kind of what used to happen back in the days when blogging was big and people left comments. So thank you so much. So there were some really cool answers in the comments, like uh, Martin Hughes, who suggested Libertas. Uh, According to Wikipedia, Libas associations with wine, inebriation, uninhibited freedom, and the subversion of the powerful made him a close equivalent to the Greek god Dionysus, who was Romanized as Bacchus. And uh, Martin went on to say, you know what they say, in wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom. Now, I'm not a big beer drinker myself, so I'm going to rule that one out, but great thought. However, Samantha Thomas also said that Libertas is the goddess of freedom. So maybe I shouldn't rule it out so quickly. Athena from Dan Flower, because he suggested she's wise, courageous, and inspirational. Thank you, Dan. I'd like to think that uh, I'm not quite Athena yet. Uh, Jake Wolecki. Sorry, I'm butchering your name. Said Vipassana. In the Buddhist tradition, it means to look into something with clarity. More specifically, it means to have a clear insight into the true nature of things, which is pretty much what I'm doing, he says. But the one that I ended up choosing was this one from Odgir Engdal, who lives in Trondheim, Norway. Hi, Odgir. He said, Hi, Vedandi is one of the three Norns of fate in Norse mythology. Her sisters are Urda and Skult. Verdandi is the keeper of what is, meaning which is occurring in this moment. She teaches us to accept the present, to live in the moment, to design and live a life free from the constraints of both what has been, Erda, and what will be, Skuld. Verdandi is a real freedom fighter. So there were so many great suggestions, but I'm going with Verdandi. And uh, you can feel free to correct my pronunciation on that one. So back to meditation. If you're like me, you probably think that you should be clearing your mind and thinking about nothing all the time. 
when you're meditating, that is. <laughs> and I like that Emily Fletcher, who's an expert that Mind Valley turns to for meditation, tells us that it's not the case at all. In fact, here's a small snippet from her talk at the Awesomeness Fest. Um, we don't talk too much about meditation and sex in the same sentence or the same conversation because I think that secretly we think, well, I shouldn't be thinking about sex if I'm meditating. Well, because first off, we think we shouldn't be having thoughts at all when we're meditating. But we covered that yesterday, right? How the number one misconception about meditation is that we think that we should be able to give our minds a command to stop, which is totally impossible. The mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. And so judging ourselves at how good we are at meditation based on how good we are at stopping our minds from thinking is always going to make us feel like we're failing, and then we're going to stop. So if we think secretly that we're not supposed to be thinking, then certainly we shouldn't be thinking about sex, right? And if we're in our meditation, we're thinking about sex, or even getting aroused, like, uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble, right? Because we sort of have deified uh, this meditation practice. We, we think that it should be, like, holy, and if I'm meditating, I'm just thinking about, like, monks or enlightenment or robes or caves or something. And I don't really know how you think about enlightenment. I think enlightenment happens as a byproduct of you getting rid of stress in your body and coming back to your true, authentic, full potential. So there's actually, in India, there's two sort of branches of meditation. Obviously, there's thousands of different styles, but they sort of come from either a style that was made for monks or a style that was made for what we call householders. And this was news to me when I first started learning about meditation because I thought, well, whatever monks are practicing, it must be like super powerful. They must be like vibrating or levitating or something because they're monks. But actually, it's the other way around. If you have a job and kids and stuff to do, you have less time in your day with which to meditate. So you actually need to get in and really clean house so that when you come out of that meditation, you have more bliss, fulfillment, joy to give to the people, places, and things around you. What did you think of that, huh? Pretty enlightening. And to complete my roundup of research and learning to date, here's a little segue into a conversation with the lovely Karen, whose last name I always butcher. Uh, she's been in my Freedom Plan program for years. She's come to my retreat, and then I've actually turned to her as my health coach. In fact, I've been doing her 30-day clean living challenge with her partner, Sarah, for the last almost four weeks, and it's a hands down amazing. If you want to learn more about that and the free workshop that they've got coming up, go to nataliesisson.com forward slash clean. You won't regret it. I'll just give you a moment while you go ahead and type that into your browser and then press enter. And then you can come back to that URL once you finish listening to my podcast. Okay. So I jumped on a call with Karen to ask her more about meditation, given that it's actually part of the challenge, and any tips that she had just for getting started, given it's the only part of the challenge that I have well and truly failed miserably on. So here's a little snippet of my conversation. But the thing that I'm still sucking at is meditation. And it's not that I suck at it, I just I'm physically not making time. So I know I'm not the only one. So for those other people who are listening in <laughs> like what do you do because I know you talk you know you've had hundreds of clients do this what are some of your fun tips for just like no you can make this work and after that I'd love to just talk about a couple of the benefits so that that's the bit that gets me I always read about the benefits and I'm like I should be doing this every single day 
Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things that really helps is to change how you think about it. So you don't need, a lot of times people think that they have to spend half an hour meditating or they've got to allow, you know, they've got to have the right space or they kind of overthink what they need to do. And you really need to just start small, especially if you're a first time meditator, it can be difficult to kind of start to um, include into your routine. So start small, literally start with three minutes just three minutes, taking those few minutes for yourself. You can play um, this three-minute recorded meditations you can use. Recorded meditations are really good when you get started too because, you know, they structure it for you. They give you, you know, you can kind of follow the recording and it kind of helps you at the beginning because you you might find yourself sitting there and thinking, okay, what do I do now? And your, and your thoughts exactly. keep going. And yeah, so, um, so recorded meditation is really good to try and keeping it small. Because what you want to do is try and build the habit first rather than try and go go too hard too quickly. So if you're just doing three minutes, even if you start with three minutes three times a week and that feels really doable for you, then you'll, you can build from there. Okay, so hopefully that's given you some impetus to make no more excuses and just give it a shot. If you come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash two, the digit, I've put not only the whole episode transcription there in the blog, but also some links to these resources that I've been talking about throughout this episode. Now, back to Leo Babauta on other ways that you can practice mindfulness, which is my quest for this season as Vedanti. Practice mindful eating. Hmm. Leo admits that he doesn't practice this as much as he should, and I'm going to admit I rarely do this either. As he says, it's a good example of how you can take something you already do every single day and use it as a meditation. Simply commit to doing nothing but eating, single task instead of multitasking. As you eat each bite, pay attention to the food, the textures and flavors and colors, and notice when your mind wanders. Savor the food. Showering, brushing your teeth, washing your dishes, walking and sweeping, because I know so many people who sweep, um, are other good activities to use as meditation. That last part I can totally relate to. In the last two weeks since starting the 30-day clean living challenge, nataliesisson.com forward slash clean. You won't regret it. I've been brushing my teeth with intention. I've been taking time to cleanse my face with this cool tool that massages your face for about two minutes, and it's kind of relaxing. And I've been super conscious about what foods I'm consuming, how my body feels, how my energy levels are. Okay, I've gone a bit off track from mindful eating, but it's all related. This next one is a biggie for me. Watch your frustration. As an Aries, my ruling part of the body is my head. I go head first into literally everything. Now, if you're into astrology, my symbol is the ram. Think headbutting everything. And impatience is our least virtuous value. I assure you that we do have many great qualities. But that ain't one of them, aside for when you use it to get a shit ton done. Leo states, when you get irritated, frustrated, or angry, let it be a mindfulness bell. It is a great opportunity to drop out of your story and notice how your body is feeling. What got you hooked? What story are you telling yourself? What is your mental pattern when you get hooked? And what is the physical feeling in your body at this moment when you're frustrated? Practice as much as you can. Practice yoga or mindful movement. Yoga is actually moving meditation and I highly recommend it. I often say that I feel like a million dollars after doing yoga, so I just have no idea why I don't do it every day. I mean, it, it still stumps me. 
I've been doing it a lot more recently though, and I feel strong, supple, powerful, and stretched. I feel calmer, I breathe more deeply, and I walk around in a much more peaceful state. And while I discovered a yoga center 60 meters from my apartment in Wellington, I use yogaglow.com. It's pretty cool. Y-O-G-A-G-L-O.com to practice through online classes anywhere, anytime. It's awesome for those of you who travel a lot. Now, Leo suggests if you aren't drawn to yoga, try walking or running or doing other exercise while trying to pay mindful attention to your body and breath. Either way, see it as an opportunity to meditate as you move. And finally, journal and review regularly. You guys don't know this, but as a teenager from like age 14 to 19, I wrote in my diary every freaking day, or if I missed an entry, I would catch up the next day. And I wrote screeds of rather useless babble about my day and my friends and school and relationships and things that don't really seem of consequence now, but were important to me then. And it used to calm me, especially if a friend at school had decided that day to ignore me. That didn't happen very often, but you know, when you have Scorpios as best friends who are temperamental and mysterious, it, it can happen. Back to Leo's tip. The best learning is deepened by reflecting what you've been learning about, reflecting on your obstacles and challenges, reflecting on what works and what doesn't. And you evolve your learning through reflecting. And journaling is a great tool for that. It helps you reflect in a mindful way. Journal daily, weekly, or monthly, and review what you did the previous day or week or month and what you learned from it and what your intentions are in the coming day, week, or month. Thanks, Leo. I personally love penzu.com, which is an online journal, as well as the five-minute journal, the real physical book, not the app. And I'll link to a fun video I did about that and how to use it at the show notes, nataliesisson.com forward slash two. The point here is to pick up a few of these and play, practice and see what happens, which is pretty much my motto for the entire quest for freedom. I'd like you to take a moment and ask yourself, what does mindfulness mean to you? Where could you add in more mindfulness? Work, eating, communicating with a partner? How do you talk to yourself? Is your mind running you ragged or does it keep you focused and driven? Just like everything in life, Mastering our inner dialogue takes practice. So let's do it right now. Together, shall we? Just a 30-second meditation, that's all I ask. And this one is from my dear friend Natalie McNeil, who started soulseconds.com to provide meditation and mindfulness for busy people. This one's from her site, and literally it is a 10-second stillness practice. If we can't even find 10 freaking seconds a day for ourselves, then seriously, what hope do we have? Okay, let's go. All right, 10 second reset. Let's do this. Close your eyes and take one deep breath with me in through the nose, expanding the belly, taking in as much air as you can, and then letting it go in a long, loud sigh. That's it. You've hit the reset button and you're ready to dive back into your day. Now, that wasn't so bad, was it? I'll link to Natalie's site and all the other key resources over at nataliesisson.com forward slash two. If you're in iTunes or Stitcher, you should be able to just tap on the show notes here in this episode if you're listening on your mobile or your smartphone and uh, you should be able to click straight through. And while you're there... 
that is over on my blog. If you'd like, you can enter your email to get fun, insightful and entertaining emails from me, where I'll share snippets of wisdom I'm finding on my quest and the occasional enlightening or amusing vlog. That's a video blog. I'll surprise you by popping into your inbox from time to time. How often? Well, I don't actually know, as for once I'm not sticking to a schedule. Since when did a hero on a quest schedule their shit out? Come on, give me a business sabbatical, people. So, that's it for episode two. Tune in to the next episode where I reveal the part of personal freedom which is all around getting in the best shape of my life. I am feeling fit. I am feeling energetic. I am feeling freaking amazing, if I'm really honest about it. Because for the last three and a half, almost four weeks, I've been on a 30-day clean living challenge, which ultimately means I'm eating foods in the most natural state possible, where possible organic foods. I'm cooking like a mofo, and this girl never really cooks. I am loving what I'm eating. I'm creative in my kitchen, which is over there. Uh, In addition to that, I am making smart food choices I'm sleeping better and I've taken up CrossFit as opposed to Ultimate Frisbee and Tennis and Gym Workouts and it's kicking my butt and I am loving it.